You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri, coming at you a little bit later than, than normal, aren't we? Yes, apologies for that, guys. Life gets in the way sometimes, and uh, so we had to push, we had to push, as they say. Uh, but we are here, we are ready to go. Uh, an interesting episode for you, there was a... A live Gigaton CD that came out recently. Indeed, and there was. We have some thoughts. We will also discuss the most essential song from the 10 record. This is going to be a debate, I think. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we are aligned in our thoughts, Jason. It has happened before. You it's know, not unprecedented. I got to say, I feel like I know we're going to go, and I, and I did not go there. Ooh, what does that mean? It means that if you chose deep, <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna, we're, we're, we're firing you. you, you Why? You know, we're, we're, because we are into, we're going to do what the 80s hair metal bands do. Uh-huh. And we're going to just put out an all call mm-hmm. and have auditions. And we'll, we'll invite our patrons first to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, we'll do a mock segment with each of them until I find one that I think is suitable. Uh, yeah, so. Okay. Well, <laughs> if, you, if it sounds a little bit different, it's because I'm in a partially constructed sound closet akin to one Paul Gillieri's. Ah. Um, so I've got some work to do. So if it's a little bit of an echo. I apologize. Apparently, Jason is too good for the bathroom now. I am too good for the bathroom. That is that is true. You know who else is too good for the bathroom? Our patrons. <laughs> Great segue. What a what a <laughs> turn right into that one. Um, if you are so inclined, uh, we have a Patreon and we have some people who are already signed up and they are fabulous people. Amy Wynn just won the live Gigaton seed that we're going to be talking about today. We'll have more giveaways um, over the next however many months this thing is a thing. Um, we will have a live uh, hangout sesh on Zoom on the 21st. So next week, uh, if you're listening to this when it comes out. Um, and if you're not a patron, that's cool. Uh, that's totally fine. What you can do is what uh, the boss two seven one did and write a review. Oh boy! Hey, that review, my friend. S- somebody's feeding an algorithm. Oh man, the boss is all about this. Five star. He says, "I've been a Pearl Jam fan." I, he, I assume he. I, I shouldn't assume he, she, they, it, where, who, how. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. I've been a Pearl Jam fan since I was fifteen, and ten came out. I've only been a super fan since I saw them live for the first time this year. Wow. Whoa. I know, I know. But since then, I've been just consumed with the band and sought out additional content to feed my new addiction. I came across this podcast and instantly was hooked. Jason and Paul are so smart, insightful, intelligent, and come up with the best and most interesting topics. What I love the most is their friendly and approachable demeanor. 
They have engrossing conversations and at times completely different viewpoints and opinions, but have so much respect for each other and the music. A must listen for fans of Pearl Jam. Wow. If only Boss knew that off the air, we hate each other with nothing. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the fire of a thousand suns. <laughs> now, first of all, I thank you. I thank you, Boss Lady, Boss Man. I thank you. And uh, read me the whole handle again. Uh, the Boss 271. The Boss. The Boss. What a the great boss. name. Uh, thanks, Boss. Uh, we don't deserve such 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 flowering praise from you, but uh, it is nice to know that you find value. And I think it's amazing that you could you could follow a band, be a fan of a band for as long as you have, and go see them live. And it's the power of Pearl Jam to unlock a whole new tier, a whole new level of fandom that suddenly requires igniting. This, as you call them, use your words here, your, your addiction, right? It's a healthy addiction. Um, hey, who knows? This might be the first of what might become 50 or 60 shows one day. Huh? Come on, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, the boss, 271. Uh, Can we do something for the boss? I have a great idea. Okay. How about we let the boss know that as hard as we work, there are s- some other wonderful Pearl Jam podcasts out there. And, and mm. we are part of a larger extended family, a jamily as it were. And uh, I'd love to maybe throw a shout out to, to some of our other podcast friends, better band podcast, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, live on, on was it live on four. I was going to say two, right. I always want to say two and they kill me if I did that live on four steps, right. Legs. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for You're combining live footsteps. I know. I'm sorry. You know why? Because I, I right in front of me, I have the um the live on um uh the, the set list from the, the the yield tour, the live on uh 10 lakes. Oh, sure. Two right? legs. Two lakes. And then next to that, on my other tab, I have live on, on 10 lakes because I was comparing something. I wanted to raise a point about the gigaton scene. Oh, interesting. So I was looking at the, the, these different ones and, yeah, uh, yeah. and I, they're all jumbled up in my head right now. So I was, <laughs> it's not, anyway, right, well, I'm sorry, guys. I, I apologize for, for like butchering that. Um, and there, there are more, there are more Pearl Jam podcasts that are out there. Um, single podcast theory, single podcast theory is, is, is a great one. Great logo too. Great, great callback to the yield era. Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage you to take a dive into all these different podcasts. Show, show them some love and, uh, you know, feed their algorithms too, if you ever feel so inclined. Absolutely. Well, what a what lovely, positive way to start this episode off. Yeah. And like I said, we're talking live gigaton. Uh, the boys were just in New York City with two electric shows from everything i've seen and read and listened to and watched online if you went to one of those shows and i have friends that have and i know i know randy from live and four legs was there mm-hmm. unfortunately his breath sign campaign did not come to fruition did not did not bear fruit which sucks but um if you look at those set lists they look pretty great and some people were saying who have been to many many shows that this garden show was top of the heap like like top bin high as you could possibly be the energy was in- incredible loud so i'm um, bummer that i that i wasn't a part of that um uh or the apollo show but a great way to kick off into this live gigaton cd review uh or thoughts as it's only a review it's, it's thoughts we're just we're just we're just jamming here we're just talking you know 
Which is Pearl Jam. We, we are. And, and I, I'm going to enjoy this conversation with my bottle of Elysian pumpkin coffee pumpkin ale. You are just neck deep into this. I, I've, I've made the transition. We did a beach trip this past weekend, and that mm. was our swan song to the summer of 2022. It is now time to embrace the fall, baby. Absolutely. We we uh, we took a little dip into uh, San Diego County ourselves. I hit know. A, it, it, it was somebody's special day. Oh, my eldest uh, turned five, and he uh big fan of the Legos, so we hit Legoland. I'm not going to lie. Daddy got his own Lego. <laughs> I'm also a fan of the Legos and uh, I got myself. It actually says 18 plus on the age description. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's a fully licensed uh, Chevy Camaro 1969 Z28. Ooh. So I'm going to put this bad boy. It's like 15,000 pieces. I don't know. Something crazy. So I'll do that at some point. Uh, get my fix back in. I haven't touched a Lego. And yeah, you, you know, you know, Hey, here's an idea. How about a, a stage? With little little Lego figurines oh. of our guys, huh? What do you think about that. that? A set though, like different stages from different eras. Well, they're all kind of the same, aren't they? Come on, man. No, I was trying to be creative. We just oh, like sorry all over it. <laughs> well, moving on. Uh, we've got, uh, but what's interesting about this Black Gigaton CD, by the way, is that it's not it's not in order of the CD itself. It's kind of all over the place. Um, no, there, there's some. Some I mean, similarities. I, it, it was bizarre that that they start with Super Blood Wolf Moon and well, they drop. It opened. It opened. I know. Then they, then they drop. Uh, whoever said all the way to track nine, but then you get retrograde. And ret- There's. It's like it's almost like the order is almost the same, except they just kind of tweaked it. And it, I can't help but wonder: was that done as a reflection of the show, or was that done like, hey, this is an interesting retracking? And maybe this was the original retracking on the demo, and then they changed it up, and they just said, "Hey, you know what? For the live version, let's just throw this one out there." I don't know; it's weird. I I took a couple of notes per song, but my, I really want to focus more on on the general first, and that is, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at where these songs came from, and every single one of them, except for Quick Escape, came from Ohana, which is just about yeah. a year ago now. And I don't know how long they were planning on doing this how far in advance they were planning on doing this, but they didn't give themselves enough runway apparently to utilize the first leg of the North American tour back in the spring. Evidently. Uh, so what you've got here is for the most part song debuts with a few exceptions, uh, seven o'clock dance of the clairvoyance. I couldn't tell because uh, those two songs were played all three um, data point shows. And I didn't have time to go kind of go and listen side by side to my to my boots. Um, Super Blood Wolf Moon, that's when it opened uh, the last night, opened the show. So that's why probably why it opened the disc. Um, All Right was from the 26th of the first weekend. Never Destination, Buckle Up, Whoever Said, and River Cross, all from October 1st. Retrograde from the first weekend. And take the long way, and Wolf Moon were from the show that you went to the last yeah. night. I don't know why they chose these and just focus on this weekend. Do you have an idea as to why, or do you do you, do you um, care? Honestly, and the reason I, I referenced live on ten legs and live on um, <clears throat> on two legs was because 
those CDs, like the, the purpose of that was to try and capture the essence of that tour. And there were, there were, there was, there were tracks from different albums. This is purely gigaton. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you would choose what, why the band would elect to, to produce and put together a release like this without letting the tour finish and then saying, Hey, these are the, what we think are the best cuts from that tour, essentially doing my job for me. Right. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> but <clears throat> like, I don't understand why. I, I, I mean, unless the point was to say, look, it's been forever and a day because of COVID and we're finally yeah. back at it and God, this feels good. And you know, he, he, we just want to, take this and package it that way but then just make it it was a four-day ohana fest just make that the box set like instead of doing live at the gorge it's live at ohana you know what i mean this this idea this is the gigaton live cd and yet it's it's essentially a, a series of cuts from the same shows i it's bizarre i don't understand the rationale behind the limitations and uh for sure, I could tell you right now, these I don't believe that these are all the definitive live cuts that we have Probably available. Not. You know what I mean? Um, which I'll get into in a second. But look, I'm not suggesting if you're a Pearl Jam fan that this is a waste of money or that you know it, it, it's it's not worth acquiring. I, I, I do think that it's worth acquiring. There's nothing special about the packaging or anything like that. It, it's very, very simple. Uh, but I, I do think that it it's kind of a... It, it affords you the window to jump into Pearl Jam's reemergence after what had been a very unfortunate long hibernation that, that was not entirely intentional, very much COVID-induced. And, and I think if, if the band wanted to celebrate what it felt like to release a new album and to finally get back on the road and, and play amongst diehard fans in a place that's near and dear to Eddie's heart, then that's cool. But why not brand it around that? you know ohana so i i don't know i just I, I feel like this particular release doesn't really have an identity and while I, i'm grateful for it and i purchased it and i encourage all of you listening to go ahead and get yourself a copy as well i can't necessarily say that it's an iconic set or uh uh a collection of what i would say are the best versions of the songs from this tour it, it's a nice ditty to just throw in there you know what I mean? It's a nice compilation, I guess. Uh, but I find that um, its its limitations render it pretty far down the list. And if you know, if I had to rank the the live album releases like Live on Ten Legs, et cetera, et cetera, this one doesn't rank very high for me for those reasons. Um, I have to think that it was put together almost purely, probably just primarily. Because Gigaton has just been out for two years, almost two and a half years, and they weren't able to promote it when it was fresh. So here's some extra stuff to maybe float it to the back, float it back to the top of the, of the, you know, not charts per se, but maybe give a little bump on Apple Music or Spotify because, oh, new stuff from Pearl. It's not really new, but they're releasing something that's not been released before. Yeah. And here's the thing. As a Pearl Jam nerd, where I find my ways to acquire all the bootlegs, I don't need this, right? And you know, once once Denver is complete and the Gigaton tour is done, you know, then we can start parsing through all those shows and find our live cuts of the week. We can start doing Gigaton. 
Yeah. Well, in th- this winter, we can start doing Gigaton. Um, but until that happens, we don't feel the need to 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 do we we can't do that. So, but here's the thing: if you're not a nerd and you don't or you can't um, get every bootleg, and you you know you use your your free code from the from the ten club, and you 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 get your one show, or maybe you 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 pony up and buy a couple of shows. Maybe you went to one, you buy that one. Uh, you might want this because it is a taste of wow, these are the first couple of times these songs are played. This yeah. is like a little time capsule. I get that. But if you've already bought the boots, then what's the diff? And if you want the yeah. best version of that, wait until we do our episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so on that note, you know I mean, on that, note, I'm not sure what the point is. Um, for well, like us, let, 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 let's, let's dive into some of these series. So uh, super blood wolf moon, you listen to this cut live. And I think it is a reminder of, for me of how right I was when I said they got dad punk, right. Um, I think it, it's a, it's a strong cut. It's an excellent live version of the song. It's energetic. I like how he comes in kind of monotone with the, you know, super blood wolf moon. And then, then he kicks in with the appropriate intonations, the way that it sounds like on the album. I thought it was just an interesting way to introduce the song initially. I thought it was a little unsure of itself. I thought it was because it was early, right? It's not a song that's not saying, but, but I thought there was a raw energy to it. You know what I mean? And, and I think that, that I'm, again, I'm not suggesting that this is the best cut available. It's not. But I do think that it's a reminder of how strong the song is and how when played live, the song, it, it's very well suited for the live setting. Not every song is, but this one I think definitely is. Dance of the Clairvoyance. Not a fan of this mix. I feel like that guitar from Mike is drowned out. It's very muted. And I think it's one of the strongest parts of the composition and i feel as though the the synths and the um the electronic effects and ed's voice are just the gain it's just really pushed up and those guitars are really pushed down and it's unfortunate because i think it's uh i hope that that's not indicative of what future mixes are going to be like for this song you know what i mean as we start getting the, the these last couple in and so on i I really feel like it needs to be the, the other way around. I feel like that car, that guitar needs to, to have more muscle to it. And, and absent that, I feel like the, there's a, a kind of a, a backbone to the song that's missing. Uh, Quick Escape. I wondered this, and we talked about it. Not a fan of those synths. It really takes me out of the song. And I love the fact that they're basically drowned out entirely on a live version. You can't even hear them. I think it, it'll. I have a greater appreciation for the chorus because of that. Um, We're talking quick escape a, or seven o'clock. Oh, sorry, sorry, seven o'clock. Uh, that there's a part of me I think with seven o'clock that I, I would prefer to listen to a live version over the studio version. Agreed. Pretty much. Yep. Every day of the week, and twice on Sunday. Um, I just don't see myself really listening to that studio version very often and deferring to a live cut whenever I can. If I want well, to hear get it song. in now, Paul, because I don't know that we're going to hear the song much after this tour. We may not. I don't know, which is interesting because of how popular polarizing, but popular, I think in a lot of ways it was initially amongst the fan base, uh, Qu- quick escape. It does. It, it, it's muscular. It definitely comes in hard. I think it's, it's a pretty solid version here from mm, live agreed. and see here now. Um, I thought that it was it was mixed and engineered very very well. 
as far as kind of transferring the live experience for that song. I didn't think anything was off or, or, or unbalanced in this particular cut. Uh, All Right, I thought was strong. I thought they did a really nice job of capturing atmosphere. And I, I, I'd like to see even more of that. If anything, I'd like to see live versions double down on that more. I, I feel like that was the, the, the accents on the studio, I feel could ultimately be that they could ha- take a more prominent role. Embellish them. Yeah, exactly. So hearing it live, I think it's just a reminder of, of how it would might have been a missed opportunity to a certain degree. Um, it was so. the debut. It was the debut. It was the first time. I think that Ed and Josh actually sounded really nice together, Mm. which was, that's probably a tricky thing to do the first time you're playing it live. So I liked, I liked all right. Uh, So did I, I did enjoy it as well. Never destination. I don't know. It's, it just feels repetitive to me. And I stop it right now. When you listen to it live, I'm sorry, that riff, it just, it's the same thing over and over. And and, and there's no real character behind it. It's, it's like a a, a stutter start and it just, just is on rinse, repeat, just it's on a loop basically. And it, I I don't know. The performance is fine, but it's, I still think it's too long. And when I listen to it live, it feels even longer. So (laughs) I, I think this is the most fun version that I've heard. Uh, and they've pl- it's been kind of hit and miss on the tour. Uh, they haven't played it all that often. I I actually may maybe think this might be the best version of it that it I may have be. Heard. Eddie's full of life on this version. It's very lively. Yeah, yeah. He, he, there's a playful nature to him mm-hmm. at times. So I uh, I did appreciate that. Uh, Take the long way. Matt sounds fantastic on it. Obviously, it's a Matt Cameron song. But uh, I, but <laughs> there, there, there is the a band. but. Yeah, it, they 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 don't feel in sync. I don't yeah. think on yeah. a lot of parts uh, the, the the time signatures are you know unique, not in a, in a buckle up sort of way, but which I'll get to in a second. But it's definitely not their finest performance. It feels like they're work not necessarily workshopping it, but it feels like they are are rehearsing it before the show. It doesn't well, the feel they fumble f- through the the solo to the last chorus. Yeah, it's like oh boy. I know, I know. Uh, buckle up now at the beginning of this song. Boom comes in with the keys. And then you get stone. First of all, take that distortion off, please. It just, um, it, it, it's messy. Thank you. I was going to say It's that. messy. And it, it's, it's, I, I don't think it adds anything to the live version. They did this on the binaural tour. They refused to do anything clean. And I, to me, it really, it distorts, I think, the, the heart and the essence of a lot of songs that are played that way. Buckle Up is a great example of one. Um, it loses a lot of its nuance and its charm when you're playing it in that like semi distorted, it's, it's, it's messy to me. And, and it was clunky at the beginning, which was unfortunate Mm -hmm. because I liked the way those keys started to introduce it. And if they could find a way to get that mix right, where it's boom coming in with the keys at the beginning, it added a whole new dynamic to the song. I'd love to hear them go back in and try to redo this song and add that extra layer. I, I, I think they, they stumbled onto something live that it makes me think that there's a whole new, new composition waiting out there. And, and that's okay. They don't have to do it in a studio, but I, cause they do this all the time where they have a song, they play a certain way on the studio. And then when they play it live, they, they play it in a different fashion. Yeah. And I'm hoping that in the future, when they do play buckle up, that boom will, will feature a bit more uh, the way that he does here. I feel like the, he wasn't, he was unsure of himself at the beginning. He wasn't he really was, sure. Definitely. 
but I, I it, it was like a beautiful oops in a lot of ways. And, 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 you know, just to reference that book, but I'd like to hear that more. And maybe nobody agrees with me here, but revisit that. If you own this, this boot, revisit that song and just listen to the first 10 or 15 seconds of it and tell me that there's not something happening that's interesting there that you wouldn't want to see them explore in, in, you know, with a little bit more intensity. Uh, whoever said, you know, it, it, it's a perfectly fine version. Um, I don't really have too much to say about that. Retrograde is its source. And it, it's, I was curious what this would sound like when it, the album came out. I'm like, you know, this must be epic live. And it is. It is live epic and uh, matt is just beyond losing his mind on the drums at the end of the song completely nails it i think river cross has a bit more character played live i think i, I it's not that i love the song but i, I think there's a, i have a bit more of, a, of an appreciation for it i think i'm more inclined to want to kind of just sit with it when it's played live but i, I like i liked it um more i should say more um you know, Ed kind of messes up the transition to the pre-chorus on the pump yeah. organ. I think the kalimba sounds really stupid, <laughs> if I'm being <laughs> honest. Um, and I don't think that Matt sounds like he knows where to be either. Yeah. Um, so it's a little, I mean, I, I think, again, this was another debut, but there's been some pretty good versions when they were in Europe. Yeah. And you know, when we get to this, whenever that happens to be, um, I will bet money. It's not this choice yeah, <laughs> for a lot. Yeah. I've got, so all in all, I think that there's some, there's some really intriguing moments. There are some fascinating developments, some really interesting. What ifs? you know? So I, I think for all intents and purposes, it's worth a listen on, on those counts alone. But I would also argue to your point that, many of these versions are, are far from the finest and to that end you know i leave it up to the good listener if they feel this is this is worth the dive yeah i mean it wasn't terribly expensive it was like eight or nine bucks maybe maybe ten bucks mm. i don't remember exactly how much yeah um but yeah if you're the kind of person who does not get every bootleg or um whatever you know it, it's something that's uh an interesting kind of time capsule like i said otherwise if you do get a lot of the boots and you have these shows already you probably already know that the best versions of these songs are probably coming in the spring or the summer, maybe even as we speak, um, as they get through the rest of North America. But anyway, moving on to uh, a series that we've done multiple times on the show. It's called Most Essential Song, and it is our choice, individually speaking, uh, of the what is the most essential song from the record? You know, if someone says to you, you got to put me one song from this record that really tells the story, that is the beacon of what this record's about, musically, lyrically, the whole shebang, what is that song? I feel like I know where you're going to go, but maybe you'll surprise me. Paul? You know, I think that there's two conventional choices here. One of them is Jeremy. Uh, it was It's the signature video of the album. It's the one that in, in many ways kind of you know, lit the match or no i shouldn't say that. poured gasoline on the fire i guess oh, that, that would be that yep. just sent them full supernova um but at the same time that song feels very much to be now its subject matter is not dated because it is disgusting to say that this continues yeah. to be something that we battle but 
the composition itself in many ways is a product of its time. Um, the other composition that I would say is the conventional choices alive. And it's really hard to argue against a song like alive. I see an argument for even flow, even once, uh, I, I see a strong argument for a song like release. Although I, I think that, that in many regards, uh, that's very, very much deeply a song for Eddie, um, kind of a, a, a personal, I don't want to call it a love letter, but, uh, a, a connection piece to his father that kind of has its loose ends threaded up on um, his most recent solo effort with that wonderful composition that features his his dad on my way guesting on vocals a uh, vocals pardon me and uh, for me it's alive and and I say it's alive not because it's an easy choice I, I say it's alive because that's a song that really ushered in the partnership and this, this this collaboration that would be it's a song that unleashed eddie in his most raw in his most vulnerable but more importantly his most organically authentic i think that this is an example of, of a leading vocal figure in a major rock band who was able to present in ways that were so diametrically different than what we had seen with these rock and roll bands of, of excess uh, in the 80s. Um, and I think musically speaking, in a lot of ways, the, the sound and, and the, the composition itself has a lot of classic rock tendencies that allow it to feel timeless. It doesn't feel like a, a dated song. I think uh, somebody could, could write a song like Alive even today and it wouldn't necessarily feel like a 90s rock song because of those classic rock influences. Uh, it's an iconic riff, which I think is partly what has defined Pearl Jam's music, is these iconic riffs. It's a shining vocal performance. And it and you know, it's a song that has evolved live from, from meaning one thing that was deeply personal to Ed to eventually being a song they didn't want to play live for an extended period of time and question whether they would ever play live again after Ross Guild and, uh, you know, since emerging from the ashes of that tragic incident to, to being a song that is very communal and, and brings the band together and fans together in an opportunity to just rejoice in being alive and what that means. And I think in a lot of ways, it's reflective of the band's journey as well. So it's hard for me to think of a song that is not more quintessentially Pearl Jam and essential to the album that I think most defines the band to, to choose a song that I believe continues to define the band even this this late in their career for the reasons the, the aforementioned reasons well uh, I kind of figured you'd go with Black and you did not no I uh, that's my favorite song on the record uh, to say it's essential is tough for me because it I don't think it carries those same bullet points. It doesn't check those same boxes. Mm. It was a song that they chose not to release as a single, that they were vehemently against really promoting and pushing. And, and it wasn't until the radio stations were just like, well, we're just going to play it anyway, that it really caught on. I, it's hard for me to say it just it, it's essential because the band really rejected wanting to make it so. And maybe that that's an argument for it. You know what I mean? Uh, so look, I'm, if, if you made that argument, I think black is the most essential. I wouldn't argue against it. You know what I mean? I, I just think that there's a more compelling one for, for alive. It's just an easy argument 
for me to make. Well, maybe I should have taken the bait, huh? Maybe, maybe I should have uh, looked I, at this challenge and said, oh, you know what? I'm going to give this one a whirl. You know, I, my knee jerk reaction was that a, you would choose black and B you're probably right. <laughs> I, I thought about it some more and I go, you know what? I don't know that I, that I personally agree, even though I, I love the argument for it. So because I think Paul will probably go black, let me go with the choice that I probably gun to my head would, would go with, um, even though black is, is sticking out to me. And that is alive. Yeah. Um, I told you, I had a feeling we'd, yeah. we'd come together, be consensus on this one. Listen, I mean, I, with that alive, I'm not sure this band is who they are. And I don't know Great. that 10 is what it is. Uh, lead single, yada, yada, yada. Yes, we know. Um, but they didn't blow up when this hit the radio. You know, that, that was yeah. something that happened kind of between Even Flow and Jeremy kind of in that late spring, early summer of 92. Uh but this was the first thing, as you said, that Ed put pen to paper on, or, or finger to typewriter. That's how you want to get down. It, it's the it's the first thing Stone and Jeff hurt back on that Mama Son cassette. It's become the communal celebration song, as its meaning has changed over the years. As again, as you said, it's possibly the most important song in the entire catalog for that reason and all the others that you mentioned. It has every musical dynamic that makes Pearl Jam who they are in it and even though it may not be the best song on the record it's very likely the one you'd show a friend whom you're introducing 10 to so I think we agree Um, you know there are some warts on a song that that needs to it doesn't need to but it's evolution has given it the second life that maybe it might not have because maybe you look at the lyrics and you say ah it's a little is that really relevant anymore but the way that the fans have said no 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 we find something we find a fire in this and we can pull a different meaning the secondary definition Mm -hmm. as you were as it were Uh, and so for all those reasons it it makes sense to me as it does to you I guess to go with the live so um I hope it doesn't seem like a cop-out to go with the lead single and like the, you know, the show closer song, but it, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think we made some some contrarian arguments for, for Black. We made some contrarian arguments for, for release. Um, and I get I, the I, Jeremy choice, too. I mean, that's... Yeah, for, for, for that, that song, they're, well. not in the, they're not in the stratosphere. Yeah. Right, exactly. I, I, I You know, I, I could see somebody saying, hey, for me, it's Oceans. And, uh, you know going forward and, and, and talking about that recording experience for Ed standing outside in the stu- outside the studio that day. And, uh, you know, the, the, the ability to, to kind of be challenged and, and for them to put together a song that is very unconventional for a rock man at that time. I mean, yeah. a song like release is you know, you're not going to find that on a guns and roses album at the, or, or even a screaming trees or, a, uh, at that time, a sound garden album, same thing. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was, it, that was the song to me oceans that really kind of showed the the depth breadth and range of what pearl jam was capable of very early in their career so i i I could argue that that's an essential song on pearl jam because that that it just showed us that in the future this band is not going to be marginalized and they're you know they're not going to be a one note band so i i think there's there is a compelling argument for the vast majority of songs that are on here quite frankly yeah Uh, heck we could we could make the argument for porch 
being the live staple that it has been. Seriously, and, and it's, 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 it's placement on the MTV unplug show and and uh how it was representative of the political stances and and the advocacy that pearl jam would have in the future so i i think that there's <laughs> that there's a strong argument for the like i said the, this is why 10 but, is 10 paul yeah agreed <laughs> and one day we will do you know our album rankings or whatever you want to call it uh, or discuss these albums like as things and not just parse them apart through our little listicles and whatever 10 is a is an animal it's a beast you know what i you know what would be fun i want to do a riot act retrospective and i want to invite any listeners on here yeah i want to invite any year any listeners who genuinely believe riot act is their best album because they're out there and, and sure. i know that there's a tendency to mock fans who feel that way but the reality is you feel what you feel you like what you like i only mock the people who say no code's the best <laughs> so i i i would love to hear easing kidding the argument for that it's not that i don't find the album accessible anymore at the time i don't i think i struggled with it but i would love to have a conversation with somebody who adores that album and connects with it on a level that is unrivaled and i want to hear that i want to feel that passion i want i so yeah when did that come 2002 three i mean it was uh we're pretty much right up on it right here the 20th anniversary is november 12th mm. so what we'll do is we'll put this out there to the people now mm -hmm. and, and we'll do it you know more appropriately on the social media channels but yeah if you are an avid staunch believer that riot act is just tremendous we want you on because it is a divisive record yeah, uh, it, it's you either think it's their best or it's your favorite in the catalog. One or the other. I want to hear from you. All right. I like not, not, not because I want to debate you. I genuinely want to. I will do that. Deepen my appreciation for that perspective. Jason, you can play bad cop. <laughs> as, I, as, I, as I want to do. All right. Uh, enough with that. Let us know what your choice is for uh, most essential track from 10. Again, it could be friggin' anything. Um, yeah, let us know uh, in the comments, uh, in the social channels, and we will read them and discuss. But for now, it's time for Lyric of the Week. Let's go back to the 10 sessions. See what I did there? Not from the 10 album. Yeah. And we're going to go with the song Alone. top of the top of the song here man just right out of the gate um what do you make of this first verse love this song uh That's so good i I, the, the, I could i i see a strong case that th this might be the best b-side that they've ever written did we already do that episode uh, well we talked about it I, I, you and i are both love the song um when i listen to these lyrics wide awake and he shakes in a panic never woke up alone ever before I mean, that, that's, that is stirring right there. Never woke up alone ever before. I mean, certainly the subject has, but the subject didn't feel alone mm. either because 
he had the comfort of parents or, or there was always some stabilizing force in his life. But in this moment, he truly feels alone. He truly feels isolated because he has separated himself from those conditions. He committed himself to something and that something has flown away. That something is no longer there. And he wakes up and that person is gone and he has no one else to turn to right now. And if the, 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 the sense of, of loneliness is just jarring for the subject, had a woman, as long as he can remember, tries to forget, but he can't, he can't out of bed. And he dreams in the shower. She's standing naked and apologizing reaches for her till his mind becomes blood hot, woken up to be burned, burned again. It's uh, it, lessons learned. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's one of those interesting situations that so many of us find ourselves in, you know, perhaps with different contexts, but this idea that we feel, uh, you know, I don't want to call it a crutch, but, but we feel as though we have these, um, these uh, supports in place in our life. And we can't imagine living without them. And we become dependent on them to the point where we actually lose our independence in the process. And you start to realize that the disconnect and the divide that gets created from being unable to extricate yourself out of that dependency is so unfathomably damaging that you don't even realize that because you're, you're blinded by your dependency. Yeah. And, and I think that right there is, is, is why it's so important in youth to become as comfortable in your own skin as possible, because you will experience a moment in your life where you truly do feel alone, no matter what level of support you have in your life. It's just part of living. There's just going to come a time in your life where you feel misunderstood or you feel out of touch with, with the reality or the culture or the dynamics of your life. And you're going to feel like no one gets me or no one understands my situation. I feel alone. And do, it no doesn't matter, matter on, on, on class or status. Not at all. Any of that. You could be, you have the richest family in the world and right. there's going to be a time. It's going to be a time. And when that happens, you're going to have to realize that the things that you depend on those those dependencies as much as you want to believe that those are the things that provided stability those same very things also become the very anchors that are not allowing you to swim up to the surface and they can very easily cause you to drown if you don't find a way to untether yourself and come up for air and the, the, that that element i think of this opening verse has always stuck with me well you know sung from the point of view of a man who's been cheated on and left but could easily reverse the genders this is not specific uh -huh. to a gender uh i've known a, a few women in my life who are never without a guy you know those girls out there yeah just always have a boyfriend uh i learned quickly that that was not necessarily a flattering character trait there's something going on deeper with a person that cannot be alone, that requires constant companionship. Were they abandoned by their parents? Mm -hmm. Were they told no one would ever love them? But these people, in my experience at least, 
these people will always be the ones who are burned and not the one who burns because they will tolerate anything and twist reality to convince themselves that they must stay even if the other person isn't good for them. Eventually, that other person gets bored of taking advantage of that person or they lose all respect for a partner that clearly doesn't respect themselves. This is hard. This is super hard. How do you break that cycle? You know, the man in this song needs someone to shake his reality, someone to force him to believe in himself, as you said, and love himself and respect himself or herself. Only then will he or she or whoever they be ready to not be alone anymore if they so choose. And there it is, the choice, something that Pearl Jam has railed on about for decades, personal choice. And again, I'll quote Stip, agency, personal agency, being able to decide what you want to do. And when you are in a situation where you feel burned by someone leaving you because you can't be alone because you're never alone, that's not necessarily a problem. That That isn't necessarily them being no. a problem. The problem is within you. Yeah. And it's not like- And a you problem. can't run from you. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not like a negative problem. It's not like, oh, you're a bad person. It's just like, no, you have a problem you've got to fix. Because otherwise, you're just going to be miserable because you're never going to be able to fill the gap. You're never going to be able to fill the void. Um, and on the, these, these, these temporary uh, companions are not going to quench the thirst, right? as it were. So, and to your point, I think I would agree that everybody at some point has had a moment or, or a, a span of time where they're trying to fill and they were mm-hmm. unsure of themselves. And so this song... Uh, especially at the time when it came out, when this is the kind of thing that people are grasping onto. Imagine this was a single. Imagine this made it on. A- I, I still, <laughs> I, I it still baffles the mind that you know. The, if you look back at the first couple of years, first couple of albums, really, the songs that never made it on the album. Sometimes, like we talked about this, you could assemble mm-hmm. an album out of B sides and Brother, stuff on the cutting room floor that would absolutely wipe the floor clean with the majority of other albums that released by bands at the time i mean it was an era unrivaled i think by a lot of bands yep yep um yeah so we we like this song and that's just the first verse uh mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of doubles down as you go um and uh by the way speaking of this song um we uh we tweeted at uh serious xm radio they had a uh they had josh Klinghoffer taking questions Ah. last week and we tweeted at them we replied and said you know ask josh for us what song haven't they played yet that he would he wants to play on this tour he said alone he responded to our question and said alone so it all comes full circle man they gotta bust (laughs) it at some point this tour denver (laughs) yeah denver's the last chance so they got camden they got uh, oklahoma city st louis nashville in Denver, I believe is the uh, the rest of them, but hopefully it comes out. Hopefully it comes out. Anyway, let's check out the best live version of this song, as we are always want to do with the live cut of the week. Ready to stand up. Live cut of alone. Was it played a lot back in the day? 
Where are we going? Well, not as often as you would think. Um, interestingly enough, if you look at the the ten recording sessions, uh, we we do see this the song show up, and uh, it shows up in October of 1990. It shows up again uh, in March of 1991. It shows up again uh, March 27th, and then April 26th, London Bridge Studios. So they were toying around with the song. Mm-hmm for a bit uh but i I was part of the off ramp it was probably the very first show yeah but but i i mean unfortunately we don't have the best live recording of that and so but i also feel like in many ways the song alone was very much a part of the versus era too Mm -hmm. i feel like it really started to come out to party so to speak during that particular tour and uh so for that reason, if you want to find a great, outstanding version, you, you you really, to me, have to start kind of like branching out beyond the 10 tour. Um, I don't like to restrict this particular version to a specific recording session only because it wasn't actually a, uh, I mean, I could make the argument for any of these B-sides. It was but, on but the I, Go single. So it was on the Go single free. too. So it's kind of like it, it It seems to be hibernating in between the, sure. these, two, these two places here. So I think <clears throat> for this particular song, I personally feel that the Orpheum show Boston, uh, which was, was part of that versus uh, re-release uh, April 12th, 1994, the Orpheum show in Boston. To me, that's the, the best performance and that by far the best sounding version that you're going to find of this song from from Pearl Jam's heyday era. Uh, it's really hard to find a, a a cut that is superior in terms of, of design, in terms of uh, the intensity, sound quality, uh, the way it was mixed and engineered. It's it's just it it got the it got the rock star treatment and uh, we're lucky to have it. So all right, heading back to Boston April 12th, 1994.
Yeah, I mean, listen, when, when it comes out as a single B-side for the Versus album, obviously you can go into 94. That's totally, totally cool as far as our rules are concerned. And hell, this show crushes. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't know, it's uh, it was the day after they played the, the uh, Boston Garden. Uh, and it was, the set list was picked by the crew. They said, hey, we want these songs. And they go, okay. And they played alone. And listen, the sound quality is, is amazing. Uh, the environment was amazing. Um, right out of the gate, it sounds like the studio. Uh, even the little things Ed does in the studio are on here. I mean, it was almost note for note. It, it was just a, a really flawless performance. And if the song is so good and they basically do it justice live, sometimes that's the best version. Some songs, yeah. they 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 got to take it a completely different direction and that's the best version, you know? But this one, I mean, I, I swear to God, I know that I chose it on my iTunes. And after like 45 seconds, I look, I go, am I listening to the, no, did I click on the studio track? I didn't. Okay, <laughs> no, no, I didn't. That's what it was. So I think it's definitely a good choice. Um, I know, it, you know, it's, it's been played uh, 47 times in total. There's a giant gap between 95 and 2004. It's not yeah. been played at all. Nuts. Um, and been played sparingly since then. Um, there's a lot from 91. Well, a lot meaning like nine times 91. But I mean, overall, you're looking at like maybe 20 performances in the first five years of the band. And not a lot of those are getting soundboard treatment. So it's no, they hard to parse through those. Um, what do you guys think? You like that show? You like, uh, is there another, another choice that we kind of just gloss over by mistake? And you want to tell us, uh, did they play it in, in Ten Hog? Uh, I don't know. You, you let me know. Anyways, that is the episode. We appreciate you uh, again uh, talking to us, talking to us, listening to us. My God, it's getting hot in here, Paul. This closet that I've built myself is not. Um, well, you, you you don't have porcelain tile to keep you cool anymore. Oh man, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, again, if you are interested in Patreon, you can get to the link in our bio. We'd love to have you. All kinds of fun stuff happening over there. If not, you can rate, review and subscribe which is a fancy way of saying see the algorithm mm. we will have an interview with the author ben l connor who wrote a, a book called uh is it song by song i'm blanking on the name of the damn book every track every album yeah we we, we instagrammed about it um where it's an interesting read. It's literally a, a, a discussion of every song, what it means, lyrically, sonically. We're going to talk to Ben in the next couple of weeks, and that, that'll be out on the channel very soon. So look forward to that interview with Ben. And until then, we'll see you next week. And until we do, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Love and Trust.